From the highways and the byways of sleepy Somerset in England, welcome to Spike's Podcast, where we reflect on the joy of running amidst the joy of life. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Spike's. This is Spike's for April 2020, as we continue living in these unusual times. Well, it's a Saturday morning, Saturday 18th of April, 18th of April, I'm sorry, and uh, just setting out for my morning walk, um, it's just about half past seven in the morning, it's slightly grey this morning, we've had uh, about three weeks of absolutely glorious spring weather over here in the UK, but uh, yesterday we had some rain, which was, you know, welcome for growing, um, and this morning we're just grey. Um, let's hope it brightens later in the day. Um, oh, I could talk for the next hour about the continuing battles we're having across the globe with COVID-19, and I'm sure that's going to come into the conversation later, but I don't want to fill the whole of my time with that. We're all very familiar with what is happening. You can still hear there's traffic going past. Um, people still going to work. Um, it's not, not as busy as it might usually be on a Saturday, even at this time of the morning. But still some movement around the town. Um, I suppose the key thing to say is that Gina and I, uh, we think we're pretty well. I think we both had a, just a touch of something over the last day or so, just a sore throat and um, slight headache and things, but I think they're just another, uh, probably another virus, if I'm honest with you, you know, some sort of seasonal um, thing. We don't have any of the classic symptoms of COVID, so we're feeling well, but we are taking the precaution of um, staying apart from Gina's mum. I mean, usually we are um, hosting her for lunch every couple of days, or we're going down to her property to um, just do maintenance and making sure she's well. We are maintaining a social distance from her nonetheless, all the time we, we see her, but... Um, we're acting as her support mechanism, doing her shopping for her and that sort of thing. Okay, so I think I just want to start with um, saying thank you to to all you kind listeners and, and colleagues and friends who've uh, been in touch, um, particularly after the March episode of Spikes went up, and um, you were very kind to make me feel very pleased that I'd put the program back up again. Um, so I'm going to try, if I can, to, to maintain a monthly podcast now, I think. Um, strange that with all this time that um, we seem to have available to us, I am still, still seem to be quite busy with stuff. Because um, most of that's self-generated, but... Uh, it does seem to fill the days quite readily. 
And I think having a sense, a clear sense of purpose is um, very helpful for many of us. Um, you know, I've got friends and colleagues who are very busy um, with their work continuing. Either, you know, well, we all know how how busy the health professionals are, but um, you know, there are many people who are very busy at the moment. Um, people doing delivery services. Um, we have a a weekly delivery from it's just it's a local food company effectively a company that sells Somerset food grown locally um and, you know we've been customers of theirs for for many years now and they've um produced really nice uh, high quality food delivered to our door every week and uh, and yeah now they're They've got three times the number of customer deliveries they're trying to get out each week. They are very busy, and uh, it's great. In one sense, it's great that they are occupied. It's great that local produce is being sold. Um, it's a bit of a shame that we've had to get to a point of some sort of crisis before that could happen. But anyway, it's happened, and that they are typical of people other than the health workers who are very busy at the moment. And I, I can't begin to list everybody who's working very hard. And then there are others of us. But I think those of us who are, are not um, in those busy and essential roles to find ourselves with, with time, it's a strange thing, isn't it? You, and there is great concern. Um, Certainly in, in Britain, and I imagine this is replicated across the globe, there's great concern for people's mental well-being. Um, I think you've got to just take care and think about how you're going to get through this uh, in the best way for yourselves and your families. Uh, and to that point... Um, when I put up the last episode of Spikes, I did have uh, an email back from Dave Foss, who broadcasts his Plain Dave podcast, and he just sent me a copy of his latest one where he was um, just sharing his thoughts about um, a 10-point plan of keeping well. Okay. Um, so just trying to make space there for runners to pass at a good distance. Okay, so yeah, he um, sent me these 10 points. And I, Dave, I'm not going to just replay your podcast over Spike, so I hope you'll excuse me for that, but I thought I would just, um, if I may, just uh, paraphrase your, your 10 points that you shared. Um, I won't do it as eloquently as you, but... Let me just list them if I can. You started point number one, maintain good sleep hygiene. Make sure you get your sleep. Don't stay up too late. It's very tempting, isn't it, to uh, while away the hours and then you're, you don't get up early in the morning and you're, you're feeling much more bleary. So it's good sleep hygiene. Get good number of 
hours of sleep to build your your body's reserves a little bit. Don't have yourself in a state of tiredness and exhaustion. Point two, uh, coming back to my local food delivery to a degree, eat quality food. Now, be very careful here. It's uh, it's very easy to become, uh, and I'm very guilty of this. Uh, very easy to become part of the food police, you know, and uh, kind of looking down your nose at what some people eat or choose to eat. And uh, you got to remember, people are making their own choices. Some of them don't find any joy at all in cooking uh, good food. They find, yes, you know, quality food is expensive food in people's eyes generally. It's not always the case, actually, but... Um, it's a, it's a hurdle for people to get over. But I think if you can reduce the amount of processed foods you're having, uh, you've got plenty of time to, um, to do a bit of cooking. And uh, cooking a lot of fresh vegetables and fruits. Um, so, yeah, eat quality food if you can. Um, curate your attention. I really like this one. Um, you know, and I've certainly found myself guilty of um, getting onto social media sites, particularly Facebook, you know, where um, loads of good things are happening at the moment. Loads of good and caring posts. But equally, of course, we know that Facebook has its algorithms set that you're going to see the feeds that support your worldview. Um, so you can sit there and you yeah, and keep being reinforced with loads and loads of stories about uh, things that will think, I can't believe that, I can't believe that's really happening. And uh, of course, actually, you're your mind is really saying, oh, I'm so pleased that this is confirming exactly my world view. Well, that's, that's how it's all set up, folks. That's how it's designed to work, to keep you on that site, keep you working your way through it, and hopefully, of course, at some point, clicking on advertising and purchasing. So that's... Uh, now... So curate your attention. So like a museum curator, make sure that you're seeing the picture, uh, the whole picture if you can. And um, you know, to that end, I try to read some of the viewpoints of others. Now you'll sense from my tone when I say try to read that sometimes it's... <laughs> It's an effort, but, but, you know, then other times I think, well, actually, I can see where you're coming from. I might have a different perspective. I might not align my thinking with your thinking, but actually I can have some understanding of it. And I think the great problem is, you know, that um, we are so polarised now. We're driven by these 
thoughts that uh, you, when you have your confirmation bias and it drives you against somebody, you end up being against them as an individual uh, rather than having a reasoned and civil discussion of ideas. And I do feel we are globally losing the ability of more civil discourse amongst opposing views. Um, you know, it's hard, but the best thing you can do is think about what your attention span is, think about where your attention focus is, and use it wisely to get a broad, as, as broad a possible view as you can to try to have some understanding of the point of view of others and don't lock yourself into endless um, feeds of what's going on in the world by minute because this thing is so huge that uh, you know, you're going to get the main points let me move on to point four. Structure your day. So you've got to think about... Um, think about using your time. And... Because uh, there'll come an end of this. And I suspect some will look back and say, Well, look at all I achieved. And others will think, my word, I wasted all that time. And many of us will fall between the two. Um, but if you give your day some structure, it'll be quite helpful. Point five, maintain your exercise routine, which is important and actually, <laughs> If Dave Foster's listening to this, he'll realise I've just skipped over one. But I will come back to it. Maintain your exercise routine. Um, Gina and I, now we spend the first hour of each morning when we get up, is spent exercising. Um, it's a quieter time of day. Not too many people are about, so we're not exposing ourselves to too much potential contact but uh, you know it's a good time to be out and about and doing stuff um, but point uh, so this will be point six do not overtrain very tempting when you've got all this time to just put in a few extra miles or dig a bit deeper and push hard the thing is if you maintain your exercise you build the body's immune system but if you overtrain then you suddenly get to a point where you're weakening it and this is not a time to have a weaker immune system so train good, good base building good immune system maintenance but don't overtrain there are no events to train for so you don't need to push yourself hard, you don't need to do glycogen reduction or anything. Just 
maintained good fitness. And number seven, if you do train and exercise, make sure that you replenish your, your system when you finish your exercise. Comes back to eating quality food, maintain balance of um, proteins and fats. Carbohydrates won't be an issue, I don't think, for most of us. Um, vitamins, minerals. Just think about being replenished. I've uh, interested about hydration. I think I've doubled my consumption of tea during this period. Because you know, every time I have a mug of tea now, I then have a second one. I don't know why. There we go, strange thing. Um, so jumping back a bit to the one I missed, but it's important. For number eight, manage your psychological stress. Um, stress, uh, stress is always a balancing act. We need some stress in our lives to to function well, but we're also familiar with the fact that too much stress is uh, is not good for us. And uh, I think. This is a time of certainly having to think about stressing about the things that you could change, do something about, try to let go of what you cannot do anything about. Yeah. COVID-19 is here. It's affecting our lives in so many ways. But in terms of solving it through stressing about it I don't think we can do very much not very much at all so try and let those things go um, now some of you may be uh, under financial stress you might be under stress of having loved ones that you feel are vulnerable and you cannot see them you might have lost family and friends and and I'm not making light of those stresses. Please don't think I'm saying, yo, just carry on regardless. I'm not saying that at all. You know, I do appreciate that this is a stressful time. I mean, all I'm saying is if you can try to manage how much stress you take on board, how much you find yourself reacting to. Okay. And um, so my last two, I think, feed into that stress management number nine think about gratitude think about all the things in your life that you can feel grateful for um, and let that sense of gratitude if you can wash over you as much as you can because you know it's a really powerful powerful thing um, and I think it will genuinely help in your confrontation of this time, time in our lives that we will, I hope all of us, better look back on and reflect about. I think so, what happened to me during that period? And if possible, what, what growth occurred in my life? And the very last one, just a good simple one. 
try to end each day with a smile on your face. A simple thing, but um, do you know what? I think it's so useful. Uh, now you have the, that old thing about when you're running. Um, if you can run with a smile, it's often easier, makes the run more pleasant than if you're running with a grimace. And I think if you can live your life with a smile, the same is true. Much easier than living life grimly, unhappily. Okay, um, so thanks, Dave, for those 10 points. Yeah, they're all very valuable. Good for making us think about, um, about really maintaining ourselves and coming out of this period stronger, richer. Next thing I want to talk about then, if I may, is, is my exercise. So you can tell I'm walking again today. I said last time I'd take up a lot more walking. Um, and until about two weeks ago, you know, I was walking probably six times a week and then running once a week just because I felt while well, running, I still love running, can't help it, just love it and um, wish I could do more of it. And I told you how my, my knees were just getting to that point where they're just a little bit grisly and um and I took the view was that my view that I took was that um if I can keep myself active by doing reasonably long walks every day and prolong my exercise program like that possibly better that than um you know continuing to run doing irreversible damage and then having to curtail my exercise pretty much completely. Well, I think that's a you know, reasonably sound intellectual argument and uh, seems to match with uh, the experience of others you know, who've had to have various replacement surgery. So that was all going fine. And then uh, I guess like many people, Gina and I catch you up on some films. You know, we, we're good. We 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 like films. We we uh, like to attend the cinema frequently. Well, of course, that particular pleasure has has gone for the time being. But um, we like to catch up with films at home if we miss them on the circuit. So we're not we're not averse to watching them at home. You know, just we just enjoy the big screen experience. So. Um, but uh, at home, you know, we can we can catch up with movies, and and now many movies are being streamed very quickly to the system. But uh, I was looking on the Amazon Prime movie database, and I uh, just came across a movie called Skid Row Marathon. Um, I'd recommend that to anybody who who enjoys running and has an interest in the in people really so it's called skid row marathon um a story of an american judge craig mitchell who um you know he's uh, the opening scene is him sentencing a young offender 
You know, and it's oh, it's um, it's a it's a documentary, so this is it's not staged. You know, he's sentencing this young man to I think seventy-one years imprisonment, and you, think, you know, this man's life is going to largely, if not completely, take place behind bars. Uh, but Judge Craig, you very quickly learn, finds this part of his work extremely harrowing. Um, he is one of life's genuine human beings who, um, who you immediately warm to. His presence on screen is something that you think, oh, this man is a is a valuable human being. He's doing a job that that has to has to be done. Our legal systems demand this sort of punishment regime. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that wrongdoing should not be go on should go unpunished. Um, it's it's appropriate that we have law and jurisdiction. Um, but. The main thing about the movie, of course, and you get it from the title, is that Judge Craig is a runner, and he has formed a, a running club with um, an organisation and a premises called Midnight Mission, which is helping recovering addicts. And he runs with it, with the, these recovering addicts, you know, and the story of him with these runners, and it just features some of their life stories. And they they go to international marathons. Um, anyway, I don't want to talk too much about the film because I, I would recommend it to you. And um, you know, I wanted to have its own magical storytelling unfold to you as you watch it. So I'll leave that with you to to catch if you can but um it's, as often happens with me i must be quite um suggestible because uh, i thought oh i wish i was like judge cray you know and, and um he he runs you know he's uh he's in his senior years like myself and uh, he runs with stiffness and um doesn't have the fluidity of youth, let's say. I mean, he's had major back surgery. Um, but I thought, well, uh, you know, maybe if I just, just try a bit more running. And, uh, of course, I just jumped straight at it and started running on my treadmill again and started running with five miles. Um, and then, since then, I've been running walking on alternate days. Um, now, if Kevin, Kevin Gwynn's listening, he'll be, I can sense him so, saying, you should do run, walk, run. <laughs> Kevin, I have tried, I have tried and tried it. It just doesn't seem to fit with how I like to exercise somehow. I'm very happy walking like I am now, striding out, you know, I'd walk at about 14 minute miles. Um, or if I can, I still like to to run, but I don't find mixing the two in any one um, session 
This doesn't seem to work for me as I would hope it to. So anyway, back to running. And um, so I'm running uh, five miles a day every other day. And yesterday I pushed up to seven and a half miles. I'm not going to run, you know, big miles every other day, but I'm going to just try and keep this running going for as long as I can. And uh, this also runs in parallel with the fact that I've um, been utilizing a series of knee exercises, physiotherapy exercises. I, you know, the National Health Service in, in Britain, which um, still I'm hugely indebted to and, uh, and is such a great service put under huge strain at the moment but a great service anyway on their website page and there's a there's a series of knee exercises and uh, I've taken to doing these daily now because really I, I started doing because I thought well I want to ski next year if I can um, and uh, skiing is you know one of those sports where my knees are vital so uh, and I'm not saying I'm pain-free, that would be over-stretching it, but I certainly feel that um, these, the exercises, which I do, I say, very routinely, I feel that they are prolonging the useful service life of my knees. Um, and uh, it's great to be running again running a bit more purposefully. I really enjoy it. Okay, um, I think I mentioned last time I podcast that uh, I've been listening to audiobooks as well. Um, uh, you know, we all have books that we enjoy. Um, but I've certainly uh, listened to a varied series of books now. I'm not going to detail each one to you, but um, there are some that have just been very profound in listening to them. Um, I think, let me talk about two books this morning. Uh, the first one, uh, talk about putting yourself in harm's way um, as many in the medical profession are having to do at the moment, but there's a book that I listened to by a surgeon called David Knott. Uh, that's Knott, N-O-T-T, David Knott. And his book is War Doctor. And David Knott is an extraordinary man. Um, he is a surgeon in three London hospitals, a particular specialist in vascular surgery, so you know, very good on the blood flow system and managing it, and you know, very, very delicate and precise surgery. Um, and every year, it seems, for a very long time, he has spent a period of his of that year working in either war zones or disaster zones 
and I'm not talking about, you know, just turning up behind the front line where incredibly valuable work is being done, but he is there <clears throat> right at the shop and, and that's just an amazing book. Um, talk about cats having nine lives. I think he's probably on his 20th life by now, given the, um, the situations he has found himself in and, and got out of. I really, really recommend that book to you. It is totally inspiring. So that's War Doctor by David Knott. Uh, the other book, which uh, was recommended to me by a very dear friend, um, is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles. Now, this is an example of exquisite writing. Um, the story of a Russian count who is placed under house arrest in a hotel in Moscow. Not just any hotel, it's a very high-end hotel. Um, and it's the story of his life there. And it's one of those books that if I say to you, um, it is beautifully written and tells the tale of not very much happening very delightfully. It's not a great sell, is it? But actually, um, I just, uh, if you want to read or listen to a book of just, just joy, really, then listen to um, or read A Gentleman in Moscow. Very good book, very good. Okay, um, what else shall I mention? I think something that um, cropped up and uh, was quite a lot of intellectual effort thinking through um, the purchase or not of an electric car. So, um, you know, I'm a bit of a petrol head. I love my motorcycling. I have more recently found my joy in driving again. You know, many years I just felt driving was a bit of a chore, but now I'm trying to get a higher level of driving qualification. I'm uh, finding that driving is giving me much more pleasure again. And um, I'm always a bit of a technical person, you know, I like technology. Um, so I became interested when uh, somebody I know um, purchased a, uh, a Jaguar electric vehicle, the I-Pace, and um, was just very struck by the, uh, the performance, really, of this vehicle. 
Um, you know, you've got a car that weighs a couple of tons, and it's uh, you know, he and another colleague, a very experienced driver, who he let have a drive of it, uh, characterised it as being like driving a really tight sports car, but sat in an armchair. And um, I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting, but you know, the trouble is when you start to to look at these vehicles, the, uh, well, the price is, let's just say it's more than I would normally ever contemplate spending on a car. <laughs> um, but, you know, it did lead to Gina and I having a, a, a long session of discussions about the possibility. And uh, so to characterize where we are at the moment with cars, we have two vehicles on the drive. They're both, um, both diesel cars. Both were purchased when diesel was you know, very much the way to go. One, now quite an old uh, diesel. Uh, it's a Czechoslovakian Škoda Fabia. Now, and those of you who are not in Britain, you may not be familiar with Škoda. Um, it was, for many years, the butt of a joke. If you drove a Škoda, they were produced in what was then, you know, the um, behind the Iron Curtain in Czechoslovakia. Um, they were cheap, not particularly cheerful. Um, just pretty ropey old cars, really. And uh, then when the Iron Curtain came down and the Volkswagen Audi Group bought Skoda, I mean, that's interesting. Um, and actually then, of course, you discover that Skoda was a very highly regarded engineering-based company. Um, and unfortunately, of course, the... Oh, dear. The... Sorry, a bit of hooting going on. A bit of crazy driving around at the moment. That, that's very odd. Um, so... Um, yeah, they were, they're a very good company, but they were driven uh, down, down the quality scale, really, by classic um, Eastern European Soviet mismanagement, I think is the best way of putting it, you know. Um, I have many... I'll be honestly honest with you, I, you know, I think in its pure term, the idea of communal ownership is not bad. I mean, it's kind of, it is um, based in our 
our kind of small tribal collective way of living. But we all know that, you know, that human beings have evolved, not always in the best way. And uh, the, the most modern examples of um, communist regimes have not proven to be successful. In fact, exactly the opposite. And uh, yeah, it's really. Um, certainly the case that with this car company, Skoda, they went from, you know, good engineering practices to very poor engineering practices for many years. So a long way of saying you know, that our dear old Skoda is uh, an example of what happens when a good engineering company is actually brought back into good management and good quality control mechanisms and uh, they now produce cars of good quality very often at the top or near the top of the JD Power reliability surveys they've got nice features um, they're good it's good workhorse vehicles but um, so I'm just jogging here because so van drivers let me go across in front of him. Okay, so um, that's one of our cars, quite an old one now, and 180,000 miles on it. Um, and then we have a another Skoda, a newer one, uh, and this is uh, all the luxury end of the Skoda market, you know. But it's um, you know, it's not a massively expensive car. Though one of the things about Skodas is that they price very keenly so um got lots of nice features but uh, no, not a not a really expensive car but but eventually the main thing to say is we have two vehicles on the drive both are which both of which are working both of which have paid their environmental manufacturing costs and it does seem questionable whether one should replace them and then you look at and try to read into the environmental cost of electric vehicles and uh, their manufacturing costs, their through life costs, the cost of the electricity to to uh, keep them charged. And I don't just mean you know the cost that I would need to purchase that electricity out, but the you know, environmental cost of generation. And it's a pretty close run thing. Um, there are definitely steps forward in terms of um, using the batteries, the car batteries, as home storage batteries when their their car life is done. Um, so yeah, there are technologies developing that. That are improving the environmental footprint of electric cars but at the moment it's still quite a close balance but you know i still um like to explore and investigate these things so 
went to a, a Tesla dealership um, about 40 miles from us. And Gina and I took a Tesla out for a drive. Now, that was interesting because um, on the one hand, you've got, you know, it's a, it's a new vehicle, so it's got a nice sense of squishiness and plushness to it. Um, and the the performance, even on a short test drive, was very noticeable. Yeah, we weren't driving the sportiest version, but uh, the one we were driving had, well, it's a, you know, many people talk about this uh, instant torque availability, this uh, very quick acceleration that you have. And yes, they're, they're definitely... Um, have a fun element in them there, um, and I, yeah, I love the fact that the dashboard's an iPad, really, or something similar as a tablet. <laughs> um, I like that. Um, but on the other hand, you think, well, there's many things about this car which are lovely, but some of it looks really cheap and trashy. Um, and subsequent investigation, I find that you know, I mentioned the JD Power survey of reliability and Tesla, Tesla right down the bottom. And um, a myriad number of stories of people who've, who have owned or do own one and they're constantly having bits falling off. And, um, now, you know, uh, I'm only going by what I've read. Um, and I can't say that I've driven one for more than 10 miles. Um, but I do, I worry that, you know, there I, if I bought one, for me, um, that would be, it would need to be a lifetime purchase. You know, that's, that sort of money is not something that I could consider spending trivially. So, um, so that kind of left me thinking, I know Tesla's not quite the vehicle. Maybe, maybe if we do go down this pathway, and I'm not decided yet which way to go. Um, I think at the moment, certainly we're going to keep our two diesels. Uh, so the older one has got quite a relatively higher mileage on it now. It's, um, what is it, 14 years old? Um, so, it has a, I guess the end of its life is in sight, but I think we're going to keep using it until we get to that point. Um, but when we do come to replacing, uh, there are other less expensive options that, um, that might appeal to us using, as long as it's got a reasonable range, this range anxiety is, uh, is definitely an issue. And I want one with over 200 miles range on it. Not, you know, for local journeys I couldn't get by with a smaller range, but um, I just want it to be a usable vehicle. I don't want it to be a... Because even one of the, one of the less expensive options is still going to be more than we've ever spent on a car. <coughs> um, and just to prove that I'm not without my dreams still, also very attracted by the Polestar. Um, this is the company that 
effectively Volvo are emerging as, evolving to, if you will. Um, you know, pure electric vehicles um, and looking at being really quite innovative. You know, simple things like uh, the latest Polestar that it's being worked on. The, uh, the seat, the seat, part of the seat that one sits in, um, is made with one continuous thread, sort of woven plastic. Um, and it's not, it's a recycled plastic as well. And so that because it's one thread, there is no offcut, no waste. Yeah, you know, I think well, if they can develop their thinking in that way, that's um, that's impressive. You know, and I like I like that sort of innovative thinking. So anyway, with again the effects of COVID, I've got no idea what's happened to production cycles. No idea when these vehicles will come to market, and it's all just stuff that um, will be happening in the future some point. And I kind of look forward to to the time when I can uh, explore these thoughts a bit more. But at the moment, whether I move to the electric vehicle or not, it's a bit of a, um, oh, I've lost the word I want now. Um, but it's it's a question that, this isn't part of my my thinking at the moment because um not there to use anyway, not there to purchase. Uh, don't even know if the company's working at the moment that does the electric home installation chart for charge points. Who knows? So, folks, you've listened to me prattle now for forty odd minutes. Um and I think just to finish off I'd like to um, just play you a short clip from my good old friend, Honest Jim, who sent in a short clip when he heard spikes back up on the air again. So uh, let me leave you with, with Jim to play us out of this episode. Keep safe, everyone. My thoughts are with you your families. Strange times, but um, definitely a time where one wants to reach out to everyone you know and just say hi and uh, hope you're well and I'm thinking of you. And if you can, run with joy. Hi Peter and uh all the fellow Spikes uh, podcast listeners, uh, it's Honest Jim here, uh, a.k.a. James. <laughs> um, I'm not quite on lockdown myself at the moment. My uh, work uh, deems themselves vital, uh, which is a bit hilarious in my opinion, but there you go. It's in manufacturing, um, and I suppose if you want to drink a beer when you get home, I suppose we are essential, but, uh, yeah, I don't deem it. Deem it so, but that's my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, it's about what is it? Day four, I think, of the family's lockdown. My wife 
uh, is a swim teacher, self-employed, so her work literally dried up instantly. Um, I've got a 12-year-old boy uh, and a 16-year-old uh, daughter. Um, daughter's been really affected, obviously, because her final year of secondary school, uh, which has just stopped. Um, so very difficult to motivate her now because she don't know what direction um, she's going in. Such emphasis and importance is placed on exams and then it stops. <laughs> so very difficult for her. Son's downstairs at the moment having a maths lesson with my wife, which is uh, unbearable, to be honest. So I've actually just thought, right, great time to record. Um, aside from uh, coronavirus, what am I doing? Well, uh, I've really sort of struggled with my mojo for, if I'm honest, for a long time uh, with running. The I can still run sort of short distances, um, but I'm just finding it, you know, pretty pretty tricky to get going. Uh, I entered no races for quite a long time. Uh, I'd done a few last year um, and didn't really train for them massively, but just got through them. Um, and then nothing. But a few months ago, uh, I had a friend who's turning 50 this year, uh, Carlo, he's um, from the Netherlands. And we've met, obviously, through races, actually, uh, kept in touch, and we've done the odd race together. And he turns 50 this year, so he, he challenged me to a 50-mile ultra. Now, that's not until uh, October, November, I can't remember, October, November time. And that's uh, all off-road. Uh, it's with Centurion um, Ultra, Um and it is called the Wendover 50. It's all off-road, a lot of uh, hills. Um, so, yeah, that's the only one in the books now. Uh, whether whether that'll be going or not at the moment, I, I hope so. Um, training's going to be interesting for it. Now I've got an excuse to actually not really train much because everyone will turn up having <laughs> not trained much. So um trying to go out at the moment with my wife for a small run every day. Um, as the government allows. Um, really, we've only been doing two two miles. Hopefully, we can step that up a little bit. Um, there's a lot of areas we can run where there aren't many people. Uh, so, yeah, that's doable. Um, apart from that, yeah, trying to trying to keep fit inside. So we've we've been doing uh, a. It's called a bloke's called Joe Wicks. I've never heard of him, but the kids knew him um, and. He's a sort of PT instructor, and he's doing uh, every every day nine o'clock. Um, you tune in on YouTube, Joe Wicks, and you do a thirty-minute workout with him. Um, and I think he's got about seven hundred and fifty thousand people now around the world doing it. Um, and it's yeah, it's quite it's quite easy. It's you know it's 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 something to do with your kids really. Bit of fun. Uh, for all ages, um, he does about three or four different workouts for different abilities during the day. Um, so I'd, I'd highly recommend that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's, it's it's so different, isn't it? What a different world we're living in. Um, <laughs> crazy, cra crazy times. Uh, who, who would have believed, you know, what, what, what actually what's happening? I think looking around the world. The UK, they say, is a couple of weeks behind uh, Italy, uh, which has been really badly hit. So in two weeks, who knows what's 
what's to say what's going to happen here. Um, you've got a percentage of people still not really taking it very seriously. Um, and that's really difficult. Uh, it's, but yeah, I mean, God knows what's going to happen in America in about a month. Um, cause I think you, you, you know, out there you've got from, from what we can see here, you've got different States treating it very differently. You've, you've still got a lot of, a lot of internal flights going on. Um, so let's see what happens. I mean, I am quite happy over here. Every other person isn't armed to the teeth with uh, automatic machine guns. I mean, that, that'd be interesting. <laughs> but, hey, you know, don't want to start down that road. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, let's talk about exercise. So, today, I have done my little workout at 9 o'clock. Uh, I will... I don't think we're going to run today. We're going to walk today. So then we can get my daughter... Try and drag my daughter out for a nice little walk somewhere. Uh, I have... Uh, my wife's gone to a local shop today to get a couple of things for my parents because um, my dad is 80 and my mum's uh, 76. So they're very fit, but obviously they're, they're staying in. Now, I actually went round to their house uh, last week. My mum had ordered a treadmill. So I put the treadmill together for her um, and, you know, with a blimmin' plastic gloves on and a face mask with them standing in a different room um I attempted to put this treadmill up I mean that was that was like a sauna uh doing doing that that was tricky um so my mum's now enjoying her treadmill which looks out onto her garden so that's great uh she's she's frozen her gym membership because she did have one so in what with that being frozen with my dad's golf membership being frozen uh, I think the treadmill will sort of pay for itself, you know, um, without too long. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go for a walk later on, a uh, couple of miles. Um, and then I've got to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which I'm a bit anxious about. Uh, I do take my own precautions, you know, with gloves, with face mask and distancing myself from people, even, even get to work a little bit later so there's not that congregation of people at the start. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I've also oh, I've also started learning French. Um, there's a great app, uh, Duo, I think it's Duolingo, I think that's what, uh, that's what it's called. Um, and they've got every language in there under the sun. It's free, if you don't mind a few adverts. Uh, so I thought, yeah. I'm going to learn French, you know, so I've been doing that for a little while now. So that's going quite well. I can read it better than I can talk it, <laughs> which is a bit of a problem because um, you tend to work it out a bit easier then when reading it. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm going to, you know, going to give myself a while. There's no pressure. I'm not, not working towards an exam. Um, so we'll see how that goes with that. Um, but really pleased um, Peter has uh, put another podcast out. I must admit, I haven't listened to it yet, um, so I shall listen to that perhaps on the way to work tomorrow maybe, that'd be nice. Um, so yeah, but I'm going to sign out now because I think I'm going uh, quite a lot, um, and it does it again. I hate it when I listen back and I'm going uh, every every sort of 10 seconds. So I shall say, you're not running with joy, well maybe you are, run with joy uh, a distance from other people. Uh, walk with joy again same 
and um, stay healthy, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, look out for each other. Uh, if you've got someone, you know, close by, you think might be struggling, you know, pop a message to them somehow and sort of see if they, you know, see if you can help in any way. Uh, I went through all my list of people in my my phone who I thought might be sad, might be lonely, might be vulnerable, and actually just said, look, if there's anything I can do, I'm not promised I can do it, but if there's anything I can do, you know, I'll do it. Because um, there might be people living on their own, there might be people who were pretty depressed in the first place, even without this going on. So I thought, yeah, drop them a note, see how they're doing. Um, might make the difference, might make the difference. But anyway, stay safe, guys. And I'll be checking in again when I actually do something. <laughs> and I'll have something to tell you. Okay. Bye-bye.